I want you to picture this scene. It's a scene from my family. My wife and I were sitting in the living room. Maybe you need to picture your living room since you probably haven't seen mine. But so we're sitting there in the living room, kind of relaxing, as relaxing as it can be with four kids. But it was, it was calm. It was relaxing. We're just sitting there uh, getting some downtime. And all of a sudden, one of our children bolts in the room and starts talking, going through all the things from the day, excited, telling us everything, asks a few questions, keeps talking, shares some more things. And then before we know it, boom. They're out of the room. Nicole and I are like, just look at each other and think, well, maybe they'll come back for an answer. Uh, some of you know my kids, so you'll, maybe you'll be able to figure out which one uh, it was, but we'll, we'll protect them uh, on this one. But, but it was like, talk, questions, out of the room, gone. You know, if we're going to establish in our own lives this practice of inquiring of the Lord, of seeking God, uh, as Pastor Tom mentioned last week, uh, he talked through a little bit of the life of David, we must learn to listen for a response, right? We must wait around long enough to get an answer, right? Like that opening, sometimes we rush into God's presence, we, we throw some things out there, and then like, boom, we're out of there. And it's kind of a funny thing for like a family and all that. But when that's the picture sometimes of how we pray, then, then maybe it isn't so funny, right? Because we pray and we give some things to God, but we never, we don't wait around. We forget to wait around that he's going to answer and may want to communicate and give us some things. I think it's easy to pray and not to listen. It's easy to do that at a meeting, right? Uh, you know, you've been a part of some meetings and then, okay, we're going to open in a word of prayer. And somehow by the 32nd prayer, it means that everything that happens after that, because we started by giving a 32nd prayer, that everything is going to be God's guidance upon everything that happens. But we haven't, even as a part of that, we didn't take any time to, to listen, get our hearts in a posture where we could receive and hear his voice. And that takes a little bit of a stillness. We're often kind of, we do, we pray and we, we go about our business and think, okay, God's going to kind of just take care of it. And there's no listening. But what would really happen? What would happen in our lives if we established this practice of not only inquiring of the Lord, but then listening for a response, waiting and lingering? I wonder if, if we did that, if we might find that at these timely moments where we needed some instruction, then we would be given instruction. Or we needed a word of correction. Like sometimes, right, you ever find your life's kind of going off center and we need a, a word of correction and it's like, wow, if we seek the Lord, inquire of the Lord and wait for an answer, we might receive that correction or timely guidance or protection. Kind of any number of the things that we really need uh, to make it through life. I hope we see uh, through our time together this morning, God set it up to be two-way communication. He set it up to be a relationship. And we can call that two-way communication, that kind of relationship, we can call it listening prayer. How many of you have ever heard of that term listening prayer before? Just a show of hands. 
Okay, that's not a lot. It's about the same uh, in the first service. Sometimes my antenna goes up when I hear a term or a word, I think, is that even Christian? Because I haven't heard that in Christian circles before, or I haven't uh, understood uh, that before. And your antenna might go up and say, uh, what is uh, listening prayer? As I look at the practice of listening prayer, uh, I think we could really just call it prayer. It doesn't need a fancy name. Part of what it means to seek God and to pray, part of that is waiting for him to respond, right? Be still and know that I am God. There's, there's these places where prayer is about being still and silent so that we can then hear and receive the thing. So while we have a fancy term called listening prayer, uh, I think the best part of having a term like listening prayer is the word listening isn't so much in our vocabulary. <laughs> it's probably the greatest uh, struggle that I think we have. We have so much noise going on that listening is a very difficult thing in the modern world. It's certainly a difficult thing in the spiritual life. So I like the idea of having the, the word listening prayer because it pokes us, doesn't it? It prods me. It makes me say, oh, I need to come to God. If I'm going to come to God and listen, it requires faith to do that. Uh, it requires me to slow down and to wait. And it reminds me that my relationship with God is not just static. It's not just static. Listening prayer moves us towards the dynamic relationship that's modeled between Jesus and the Father. That's what listening prayer does. It moves us towards that dynamic relationship that we see and we're going to look at today between Jesus and the Father. It reminds me, I need to approach God uh, in faith. It's, it's actually like active waiting, what listening prayer really is. Question for you. What gives Jesus' relationship with the Father all of its color and its dynamic? What gives Jesus' relationship with the Father color? I think it's all the give and take that you see. The give and take, the, the communication, the, <clears throat> the receiving, uh, the getting, uh, all of that gives Jesus' relationship with the Father uh, color. You see, we all long for that kind of relationship, don't we? We all long for it to be dynamic, two-way kind of connection. I once had this idea, what if, because I was trying to find out how important is this whole idea that we're talking about. So I had the idea, what if I went through the Gospels and I just blacked out all the times that it said that Jesus prayed or received things from the Father? Guess what? there would be 25 scenarios that would be pulled out of the Gospels. That's not including all the ones that are like mentioned in multiple Gospels. And it would lose all of its color. It would turn Jesus' relationship with the Father into this mechanical black and white, Jesus just doing his duty, waiting to get back to heaven to be there again. But there's so much color in their relationship. And I think we could call that relationship that we see of all that color, I think we could call it listening prayer. And that was really the key to Jesus' ministry is that he listened to the Father. So let's take a look at a couple of examples, and then we're going to see a couple of uh, poignant things that Jesus spoke. If you want to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, 
starting in verse 12. Now, this is the scene where Jesus is at the start of his ministry, and he's going to pick his teammates, right? You remember that from grade school or something? And you're like, okay, we're divvying up teams. You got to pick your teammates. Well, Jesus is about to pick uh, his teammates here in Luke chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 12. It says that one of, the, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. So he's out there all night, pulling an all-nighter. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus is seen here at a key juncture of time, a key point of decision, inquiring of the Lord. That's what he's doing when he goes out and spends this all-nighter in prayer. He's inquiring of the Lord. Any of you start a new business? You ever start a new business? Show of hands. Okay, there's a handful of you. You know, when you start a new business and you're going to hire some employees, are those first hires to help you get your business off the ground, are they important? They're vitally important. The kind of community that you have, how you work together, all of that, that is, that is essential for a business. And I don't want to dumb down what Jesus was doing into a business, but it helps us connect. Jesus is picking his first employees uh, to go on mission for the kingdom of God. And it's a pretty important decision that he is embarking on uh, because these are going to be the people who walk with him for three years. The text does not say that during that time of prayer, Jesus received these 12 names, does it? It doesn't explicitly say that. Well, the gospel writers often would write sometimes explicitly, they're recording certain things Jesus said and did. Other times, the gospel writers are positioning things together in their writing. The gospel writers didn't always write chronologically uh, and all the events, but they arranged the events Uh, in a way that speaks a message that forces us who are reading it to see, oh, there's, we are intended to see a connection here. Well, what's the connection to verse 12 and verse 13? The connection is Jesus went out and spent this time with the Lord. And then out of that time, he knew where to go. He knew what to do. And so there is that Uh, connection uh, with the text that Jesus inquired of the Father, and then he knew how to proceed. He knew how to move forward. Would you say Jesus was perfect? You can tell a trick question's coming, can't you? Right? Jesus is perfect, right? Right? So sinless, uh, perfect. Did he mishear the Father's voice because the last verse And the last phrase says, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Was his listening off? Did he not hear correctly? It throws a wrench in things, doesn't it? Because you think that when we hear what God says, and as we pursue listening prayer, and he speaks some things, that that's going to automatically translate into the way that we would think of as success. And yet, Here we have Jesus who selected as one of his core teammates 
one who is going to be a traitor. Maybe that's why he spent all night. Really, God? No, that can't be. Why that guy? Right? But it wasn't a mistake. And I think it lets us know that some of the things that God leads us towards and he speaks to us, do they always end up perfectly successful in the sense that we deem it? They don't. There are bigger and other purposes that God is often doing, and it doesn't always translate into the way that we would think of as success. Well, I want to highlight another example in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. Jesus is early on in his ministry. People start realizing, wow, this man, this person is teaching in ways we've never heard people teach. He is starting to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God. And all of the needs of the people are being stirred because there's somebody who can meet it. Isn't that often what happens? When you know somebody can meet your needs and they're around, you, you go to them. And that's what's happening early in Jesus' ministry here in Mark chapter 1. And the text reads, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And then this very interesting response. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out the demons. What's the connection again? You have these two things happening side by side that Jesus, the text is deliberate and says he went out, spent the morning in prayer, and then the disciples come after him, right? So they stirred up all of these people who have needs. Now, would you say Jesus is a loving person? Not trick. Not trick question, right? Jesus is a loving person, right? So let's say there's a crowd of people not unlike that's sitting here today with needs. Some are physical, some are mental, some are emotional. Uh, some have some demonic things going on that Jesus could cast out and deal with, right? Jesus, this loving, he's loving, cares for people, wants to serve people, he's going to say, sorry, folks, I'm, I'm leaving. What would it take to get somebody like Jesus, who loves and cares for people, who wants to minister to them, to leave? What would it take? It would take hearing the father say, it's time to go to the next place. Don't you think? It's the only reason he would go. Why would he leave those needs? He's fulfilling the Father's purposes, the Father's mission. And now we've talked here, we've shared the message here, the kingdom of God is active here, and now I'm going to go to this other place where it's not yet. And I'm going to spread this message there. But how could he walk away from the needs? And of course, the disciples, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. What are you, crazy? Where, where have you been? So they're shocked. It's It's time. And so you see that connection between Jesus going out to inquire of the Lord, to be with the Lord, to pray, and then these kinds of decisions that are coming down. He is hearing and living out the voice of the Father. 
Jesus expressly states that in a couple of places. I want to share just two of them. In the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 8, verse 26 and 28, Jesus says this, but he who sent me is trustworthy. So he who sent Jesus, that's the Father, right? So, but he, the Father who sent me, is trustworthy. And what I have, text says, what? Heard. What I have heard from him, what I've heard from the Father, that I tell the world. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. So he's got to be in this kind of relationship, this kind of connection, where he's hearing and receiving and then able to share that out. And that's what the text says. What I have heard from him, I tell the world. In John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, it says a similar thing. Jesus says, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all the things that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. You see the dynamic of this connection, this communion. He's not just doing his own thing. Somehow Jesus had to figure out what the Father wanted so that he could then do it. Did Jesus hear all of these things in heaven when he was with the Father? And so he had all the goods, if you will, when he was with the Father in heaven. How many of you have seen the movie uh, Boss Baby? Anybody see the movie Boss Baby? Okay, number of you. Uh, the premise of the movie is this adult person with adult intellect, capacity to talk and all of that is smushed inside of a little baby. And when it suits the baby, the baby's a baby. And when it suits, uh, when, it, when the baby wants to talk and do things, then he talks and does things and runs around and all of that. So that's kind of the premise of the movie. I, I think often our view of, of Jesus is like boss baby, right? He's got all these things and it's all just in there and he just pops it out at any time. But then I was struck with the reminder in Luke 2.52. What does it say in Luke 2.52 about Jesus? It says that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom. He grew in connecting with the Father, communing with the Father, hearing what the Father wanted. And that's how he moved about uh, and did many of the things uh, that he did. I think it's even more impressive when I think about this. How many times did, do we have recorded that Jesus heard the audible voice of the Father? There's only three times that we have recorded in the pages of Scripture that Jesus heard the audible voice uh, of the Father. Now, did he hear, there, might, there were private moments Jesus had with the Father, right? Could there have been more? Sure there could have. We only have three that are recorded. In Matthew 3, uh, at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved son. Okay, you remember that one? In Matthew 17, at the transfiguration, when Jesus, uh, his body was glorified, he kind of took on the glory of heaven uh, in his being. And it says there, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And then as Jesus was culminating into this decision, yes, I'm going to follow through and carry out the full will of the Father and go to the cross. In John chapter 12, verse 27 to 29, there was a voice that came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And only those three times. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a whole lot better when I 
think of, okay, I'm going to go spend some time in listening prayer <laughs> because we might think, okay, Jesus always used the audible voice of God. God always just talked to him out loud. And so, right? But we only have three recorded times and they're at these cr critical points even, you could say, in Jesus's life. Actually hearing the audible voice of God is extremely rare, even throughout the whole of scripture. It does happen, but it's rare. If you hear the audible voice of God, it will probably flatten you and put you on the ground because it, the power of hearing his audible voice. You would not be a substandard follower of Jesus if you never hear the audible voice in your whole entire life. You would not be a substandard follower of Christ. Okay? But there's another way that he speaks. Doesn't he often use the whisper, the still small voice, of the Holy Spirit in and through us. Yes. I think many of the time, I don't know how much and all that we can't say. There's a lot in between the lines that we don't know, but it appears Jesus used means of hearing the father that came uh, by things that I think we could call listening prayer which gives me a whole lot more confidence uh, to test it out. If we're going to hear God's voice, if we're going to inquire of the Lord, where do we look to hear his voice? And I want to just give you a couple of things. Uh, we're going to have a seminar, uh, and I'm going to talk more about the whole idea of listening prayer on Saturday, March 24th, uh, from 8.30 to 10.30, just a couple hours on a Saturday morning. And we're going to delve more into this. Where do we look to hear his voice? How do we know uh, his voice from our own voice within and those kinds of things? We're going to do more with that uh, at this seminar. So if you're interested in coming, you can shoot me an email or you can sign up uh, online for that. But where do we look? I think it's important. Pastor Tom mentioned it. I want to mention it again. To learn to listen to Scripture to learn to listen to scripture. I want to read a quote from Michael Card. You might know him as a musician. Uh, he also did theological training and education and uh, has some profound things to say in a book called The Walk. But this is what he says about learning to listen to scripture. When it comes to listening to God speak, we must always begin with the word of God. His clearest and most authoritative voice. I just want to pause there. We believe in listening prayer, right? But it's his clearest and most authoritative voice, the scriptures, okay? But as in all listening, we must learn to allow the other person to speak. Now, this may sound oversimplified, but in fact, it can be a major task. When we find ourselves trying to listen to those whose speech is slow or deliberate, the great temptation is to finish their sentences for them. The same is often the case when we listen to God's word, particularly to familiar passages. Adopting a listening stance before the word means keeping your mind as quiet as possible and letting the Bible finish its own sentences and stories. Allowing the Bible to speak for itself means listening with as few presuppositions as possible. The simple act of quieting your mind and heart and allowing the Bible to speak in its own voice to you will transform your time with the word. Many times I read the Bible and I think, oh, that's a great theological truth, right? And I'm wired to think that way. I'm not as wired to say, you know what? When Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. I'm not accustomed to realizing he spoke that to people who are in need. And when he looks at me and he sees my needs, he speaks those things, right? I, I, I kind of tune into the theology of it and I miss really listening to the reality and the profoundness that's there in the word that can come alive in our hearts. So if we want to hear God's voice, learn to listen to scripture. But there's also another way to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit who resides in the heart of each believer. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, right? We're, we're, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. As, we, as followers of Christ, where does the Spirit of God live? Where is his very presence? It lives within you. It's within your heart, right? So if you were gonna go to inquire of the Lord and hear his voice and hear from him, where would you look? Right? First, we talked about listening to his word. You'd also look within. The voice of God most frequently will come from within. Now, I know there's questions there. How do I know it's not my voice or the devil's voice, right? Those are real questions. But the Holy Spirit speaks and radiates uh, from within. And I think it's an important part of what the scripture teaches is realizing that. I was trying to, I was having this conversation with my daughter, Annalise. So you can, now you can start paying attention again, honey. <laughs> no, she, um, but uh, we were having this conversation about how do you hear from God? And we were talking about the different means God uses, dreams and visions and the Holy Spirit within and all this stuff. I'm trying to explain these things uh, to a teenager in a, in a way that like it practically you can fit the pieces together and have it kind of make sense. So I'm stumbling and fumbling and bumbling my way through this kind of thing. And then she, at the end of it, she says the most profound uh, piece of theology. I thought, wow, this is practically really, really great. And she says, so dad, what you're telling me is I, I feel God within me. I, I sense him within my heart. And then my mind puts words to it. Oh, teenage theology. Mm. God uses the connection of our heart and our mind and he speaks within and there are words that get put to it. For some of you, probably all of you, uh, all of us, I should say, we have to deal with the skeptic that's within us. We have to deal with the skeptic that's within us. And I want to be honest with you for a moment. As, as I approach this idea of listening prayer, of inquiring of the Lord and waiting around for a response, there's two key struggles that I have with the thing, right? If I'm, it's easier for me to run into the room, throw some things at God and run away. If I stand around to listen, I have to believe that he exists that he's really there. Which really tests our faith, doesn't it? If I'm going to pray, I'm going to acquire for some things that I really need. These aren't just jokes. These aren't just little things. The things that I need or I need his wisdom on. And I'm going to wait around and be paying attention in my spirit for an answer. I got to believe he's there. I got to believe that he exists, that, that he wants to talk and guide me. 
And when the rubber meets the road and I'm at that place where I have found on many, 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 many occasions, I have to get over that hurdle. Reminds me of Hebrews 11.6 that says, you know, if uh, if you come to God, you must come to him in faith, believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. What does that verse say? That's exactly what we're talking about. To come to God, to inquire of God, to move towards God, you've got to believe that he's there. And his reward is not like just future heaven kind of reward. His reward for those who inquire of him is what? It's an answer. It's a response. And when we come to him in faith and believe that he exists and linger around for him to respond and get an answer... He rewards, a.k.a. he'll meet you. He'll speak to you. And that's one of my biggest struggles is believing he exists, that he's, that he's there. Am I just talking to the air? Right? The other one is, and I realized, you know, I do a lot of prayer ministry. It's one of my favorite things to do. People will come and talk, hey, can we pray? This? And I love doing that. I have received countless words from God and things to pray over people and it just seems to flow. And then in my own life, I say, God, it doesn't flow so good here. And here's the thing that hits me oftentimes. He's like, well, you believe they're worthy to receive my voice and to hear from me, but you don't feel worthy. And because of that, you're not hearing as much. And I'm confronted with that, you know, the worthy factor. We go before God, we inquire of him. Sometimes it's our own sense of unworthiness that we don't hear his voice. There's a skeptic in every one of us. How do we begin to practice a little bit? Well, two things. Test drive the car. How many of you buy a brand new car without driving it? Or even a used one more so? (laughs) right? You test drive the car. How do you deal with the skeptic within? Take this thing for a test drive. Pick one or two things. You think, okay, I'm, I'm going to give this a test drive. I'm going to put this before the Lord. I'm going to seek him on this matter. And then I'm going to listen. And when I say listen, I don't mean sit around for three hours. Now, that's a great thing to do, and you can certainly do that. But sometimes we, we pray, we seek God over a matter, We listen for a little bit and then that's it. So give yourself a week to hear whatever it is you're going to seek God for, right? Give it a week. Let your soul be open before God as you inquire of him for whatever it is you need. And be listening in your spirit. Be awaiting a response from him. I've received responses from the Lord in the strangest of places. Sometimes it's I'm watching a movie and it's like, boom, it hits. And I'm like, this is, I get the answer. Or I'm quiet. Sometimes it's then. Sometimes it's while I'm listening to scripture. That could be, you know, you're teaching in a classroom, any, any different moment. Um, but test drive the car. Put a few things before him and see what begins to happen. The other thing you can do is to take small bites. Take small bites. Begin to inquire of the Lord for things that you do have faith for right? Some of the things you might need, you don't have faith to pray for, right? So let's, let's take one for example. Should I quit my job? <laughs> right? That would be a big one. Uh, 
if I ask that question, God, should I quit my job and do something else? Oftentimes we resort to, we're, look, we're listening for the audible yes or no. Part of the reason we listen for the audible yes or no is we really don't have faith to hear that kind of answer anyways, even if he was going to give it in that way. So what, how do we take a bite-sized chunk of that bigger question, should I leave my job? Maybe you would pray it in this way. Lord, is there something that you've been working on uh, within me that my new job seems to, would be a better expression of the things you're doing in me? It's going to be a better way for me, a better avenue for the things you're already doing in my heart or in my life. So you see how it shrinks down the question into something a little bit more uh, bite-sized. My guess is most of you, perhaps all of you, have heard from God in your life. You may not have called it that. You may not have called it that. But his Holy Spirit speaks uh, from within. You know, our denomination is a, uh, we're a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And there is a heritage that we have of this whole idea uh, of listening to God that goes back all the way uh, to the beginning. Uh, Pastor Tom read some quotes from A.W. Tozer, and he was one of the theologians uh, within the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, but our, even our early days were propelled by this whole idea of listening to God and responding. Uh, listening prayer uh, was like a hidden... Uh, spring, nurturing and inflaming the passions of early alliance leaders. The essence of listening prayer was particularly embedded in the writers uh, of our founder, A.B. Simpson and uh, George uh, Partington. Listen to what Simpson says. Simpson had learned and taught the contemplative power of stillness. There is in the deepest center of the soul, a chamber of peace where God dwells and where if we only enter in and hush every other sound, we can hear his still, small voice. Isn't that great? In the deep center of our soul, a chamber of peace where God dwells, and if we will only enter in and hush every other sound, we can hear him. We can hear him. He also wrote this, um, these days of waiting are important also that we may listen. So we inquire of the Lord, these days of waiting, they're important also that we may listen to God's voice. We are so busy that we cannot hear. We talk so much that we give him no chance to talk to us. He wants us to hearken to what he has to say to us. He wants us on our faces before him that we may give, that he may give us his thought, his power, his longing, and his, lead, uh, his leading us into his better will. It's really a part of our heritage in the Christian Missionary Alliance, this idea. I want to give you two simple boundaries. Sometimes the things that happen in your head are crazy, just like mine, right? We want to make sure, how do we keep this practice in a proper boundary, in a way that keeps nurturing our spiritual life rather than moving us away? Two simple boundaries. The written word allows us to test what we hear to see if it matches the character and nature of God and to see if it is in opposition to any uh, specific command of scripture. The thing that Jesus heard, it's time to go, right? Is there a specific command that he's violating? How do we test that? Right? How do we test that? Um, well, some of the things that we might hear if there's any direct violation with what's already written, okay, we're not hearing the voice of God on that matter. But does it match the character and nature of who God is? 
If what you're receiving matches the character and nature of who he is, then you're, that's a good boundary. You can say, okay, I'm, I'm much closer. I, say, I'm, I think I'm hearing accurately uh, what the Lord wants, okay? So that's one way. Uh, another way is believers who are regularly and actively hearing from God, go talk to them. Go talk to them. Those who you know discern and hear the voice of God, go and present to them, hey, this is what I'm hearing from God. Can you, can you test this with me? There are different parts of scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Now that's in a larger, like a whole church context, but it says to weigh carefully any word of prophecy. What's prophecy? It's a message from God. It's a word from God. Inquire of the Lord, God gives things, right? So we're, we're sort of in the same family of listening, prayer, prophecy, that kind of thing. And so I think this instruction is a good safety net for us. Weigh carefully what is said. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, it says this, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Friends, don't despise listening prayer as a means of the way God can speak to us. Right? But it gives the boundary, which is what we're after in this section we're talking about. But test everything. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Reject every form of evil. Friends, this is fun stuff. It prompts us when we get into listening, uh, listening prayer. I was on the phone with another pastor. He was telling me about some really rough things that were going on in his ministry. Some people who were like, you know, like, you don't care about us anymore and you don't care about this ministry. And he was sharing that with me. Well, we had a time of prayer as I'm listening to the Lord. The Lord just, I just, you know, spoke from within. He's like, they miss him. I'm like, what? I'm like, they miss him. When we get done talking, I said to the, to the guy, I said, I think your people miss you. And he just, he just was, he's like, how do you even know that? I didn't even tell you the whole story. I didn't even tell you what they were saying or anything like that. Listening. So listening is awesome for ourselves. We hear from God. It gives us chance to minister to others. How can you start this practice of listening prayer? In your book, uh, if you have your book, uh, we've been using this essential practice book through our series on page 107. It has these steps that are here. And these steps can help you to get started. If you don't have a book and want one, you can see me later. But they are in your notes, uh, in your sermon notes there um, in front of you. But it walks through these different steps. And these steps put the, you know, the rubber meets the road with these. Step one, determine in your heart that if God speaks to you, you'll obey him. Wow, like right up front, right? There's surrender that has to go on for you to actually pray that. And move through that step. Step two, in prayer, reject Satan's interference. Satan doesn't want you to hear God's voice, does he? He does not want you to hear the voice of God. He does not want you to be instructed by the Father. And so, in prayer, just reject Satan's interference into the thoughts that God is going to put in your heart and mind. Step three, dismiss your own thoughts about it. Now, come on, don't we think we're right most of the time? Right? We think we know, right? And so, I, it's, there's a, a legitimate place. We have to set aside our preconceived thoughts and ideas and pathway of how we think uh, whatever it is we're inquiring of the Lord can work out. Step four, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom regarding this issue, right? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. That's what it says in John 14, 15, 16, 17. Through there, the Holy Spirit, that's his job. That's what he does. 
And so ask the Holy Spirit to give you his wisdom regarding what you seek. Step five, wait, be still, and listen. And not just in the moment you ask it. Be aware throughout the rest of the day, throughout the rest of the week, and say, Lord, I'm before you on this matter. My, I'm going to be still. But take some moments for stillness. Wait, be still, and listen. Don't force it. Uh, be patient with it. And the last step is simply write down what you receive. Write down what you receive. And then determine, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow this. The really neat thing is when I look at the times in my life where I know I've heard from the Lord, something's always attached to it, the power to do it. I can tell the difference between when I think something's a good idea to do and I'm willing it to be. And when I hear from the Lord, because it's infused with power to execute it, to step out and obey it and do it. That's listening prayer. So Pastor Jim's going to come and lead us uh, in our closing song. And we're just going to sing about Christ being all around us. That's how I want us to go out today, remembering and receiving Christ is all around us. If he's all around us, we can listen and begin to tune in and to hear his voice. Would you stand? as we sing and spend these last moments with the Lord.
bless you, everyone. Thanks for coming. Good to have you here today.